We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or a grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast for Monday, October 28th. I'm Jeff Erickson. I'm here with Chris Liss. As always, we are sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy Sports. Thank you, Yahoo, for your sponsorship. Chris, uh, week eight almost in the books, except for tonight's scintillating contest between the Steelers and the Dolphins. Uh, good week for you. It uh, looks like uh, both on staff picks uh, and fantasy. The only thing that's not good is force the bet. Yeah, force the bet is... Uh... It's unfortunate. I'm going to owe you 40 bucks, but I'll take it. That's the least important of right. the uh, right. different things. You know, I, I want to do well against the spread. I want to do well in the NFFC. We'll see. I've got a couple teams. My stake league team's not doing very well, but again, you know, as, as unhappy as I would be, if I have to pay for stakes, I, uh, I have bigger fish to fry really. Yeah. Well, at least you won't be ordering fish like Schuler did at the very first steak dinner. So that there's that, uh, we got chicken. No, you got, I thought you got fish. I keep wanting to say fish. I, I'm going to go with fish, but anyways, so it sounds worse when you order that at a steakhouse. <laughs> Chicken's pretty weak though at the steakhouse. It is. It, they are both kind of weak. If you're ordering like shrimp entrees as a hors d'oeuvre like you do, then that's one thing. But uh, yeah. 
let, let's get jump into uh, week eight. I've been doing some of the rewatches on the games. Uh, I've been, you know, of course, uh, a lot of stuff going on. It wasn't a huge injury week like Chase Edmonds. Okay, well, great. He was a sub in for you for David Johnson anyhow, but he's going to be out a couple of weeks with a hamstring injury. I did watch that game, though, and, uh, you know, and there, there's a lot of like coulda, shoulda, woulda in that game. Uh, you know that Larry Fitzgerald almost had a touchdown catch uh, to, to tie the game at 10-10. Uh, late in the second quarter. Instead, they ruled he couldn't get a second foot down. Looked like uh, it was almost like he probably should have gotten both feet down. Um, the Saints had a uh, drive at the end of half, uh, second half where uh, they ran out of time. I had a, def- a penalty on the last play of the half. They thought they had gotten out of bounds, but they hadn't. They missed a field goal. And then the second half was just a blowout. Uh, but Drew Brees looked good in this game. Yeah, that would have, could have, should have stuff. I mean, I do it too. But unless it's just like the most egregious kind of stuff, I try not to dwell on it too much because you right. just get, you can really just go down that rabbit hole and, and not come sure. out, you know, like where you're there like, there were some huge no plays game. in this game though. Yeah. They also no had a games. fourth and one on their own 30 that they, Arizona did that they didn't convert and they just ran it up the middle. I mean, it's just stuff like that. You're like, first of all, you're Arizona. You don't, that's not what you do and you don't do it against the saints. I mean, it's just, it was like some dumb stuff. Now, I don't know if that's coaching acumen or if it's just, you know, it's just the way it happened. But we saw a lot of this happen this weekend. Yeah, but I just think you can drive yourself crazy because there's just so many drops, like a drop on, you know, key third sure. down or penalties that are not called. Like the the Browns are driving against New England and they just wouldn't call pass interferences. The Giants, there was definitely some interference. They didn't call it. and Nobody wants to challenge it anymore because you just end up uh, wasting the challenge. Uh, because nobody, they never get up, they never get overturned. So that was a theme. I noticed that, uh, that yeah, they, they just don't want to do it, you know, because it's, it's like they already got burned by it and they don't want to waste the time out. And usually the team that wants to do it is down. So it's like, okay, now I need my timeouts even more, but bottom line, like, you know, there's some times where you say what it could have should have. And you're like, this is really just a game of inches and could have gone either way. But remember everything that happens after a certain point, would have been different. So you can't be like, well, right. they lost by three, but they missed this field goal in the second quarter. Well, yeah, they did, but the whole game would have been different. And maybe the other team would have been more aggressive if they weren't up at the end of the game. And you know, it's just impossible to put the pieces back together. I will sometimes do it when like Vinatieri missed like three field, two field goals, an extra point, and they lose in overtime to the chargers. And I'm like, well, that was seven points that he just you know left. And the game went to overtime, but even then the game would have been different. So you know, I mean, you can look at like net yards per play or total yards for each team or whatever, but in the end, you know, the score is the score. And I don't know, I, I guess there's extreme situations where going down the woulda, coulda, shoulda, it really does shed light. And you're like, oh yeah, this team's not better. They actually were, should have been beat, but for these three things. But most of the time it's kind of like, you're more likely to distort things by going down that path. Yeah. Um, it is. I, you're right. It is. I think it's like it's got to be like the Monday night Seattle uh, Green Bay with the replacement ref sort of thing to ha- do the woulda coulda should thing for real. But just some interesting, you know, big hinge points, I think, uh, you know, it's just and a lot of its time is just dumb coaching decisions too. you know, running the fake punt, uh, fake field goal by Tennessee with your punter and you know him getting lit right. up. And then that, that touchdown so getting funny. called off uh, on the same play because of one, you know, an inter, you know, not an inadvertent whistle, an incorrect whistle. 
Uh, just right. stuff like that. Just now, granted, but Jameis was terrible in this game. His receivers were terrible in this game. The play calling on so every, fourth and one was terrible. Every two weeks I go back and forth. I'm like, I drafted Godwin and Evans in my best NFFC league. Yeah. And I could have got Winston in the 12th, but I got Alexander Madison who I haven't used yet. Right. But he seems like a pretty handy guy to have if anything happens to cook. And I took him in the 12th and Winston didn't come back. So I ended up with uh, Trubisky in the 13th, but then I got Brady in the 18th who I've used basically every game. So I'm like, at first I was like, Oh, maybe I should have got Winston. And then I was like, no, thank God. I didn't get Winston. Brady's way better. Then I was like, Ooh, maybe I should have got Winston. Like after that Rams game, I was like, then I'd have the stack. And now I'm like, no, I'm glad I didn't get Winston. Just got the receivers. And it's just so funny. I keep going back and forth on what the right way to play. That was like, if you're in a, a big contest with an overall, you want to stack usually, but in this case, you actually don't, you just want Evans and Godwin and you want to figure out your quarterback separately from you. You don't want Winston's four turnovers a game dragging you down. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, especially like in the NFFC where you get punished for those turnovers too. I mean, that, that kind of sucks. I mean, yeah, you get the negative points. It happened with me with Nick Chubb. You know, I was like, yeah, okay. 130 yards. Got a catch. Oh no. Two fumbles. At least I didn't get the negative six points for getting returned for a touchdown on that one. Uh, but yeah, I mean that, that, that is kind of a pain. And of course in real life too, when you like Tampa's got a tough decision to make, you know, I think Tennessee's kind of decided with Mariota. I don't think Tampa's decided yet what they're going to do. Yeah, what a bust that those first two picks. Yeah. I mean, you know, they were probably so happy to get those guys when they had the first and second overall picks. And this is what ha- this is also, you know, this goes back to our argument about QBs. Like, oh, the Giants. Right. It's crazy to pass on Darnold at three. It's not just that you get the guy. This is five years later. They still have the guy. It's not like, oh, well, it's great. You know, you get one of the top quarterbacks of the class and hopefully he becomes the franchise quarterback. But, well, it's hard to get rid of that guy. If, if he's not, you know, full Blaine Gabbert and you, you're not really sure. And obviously Mariota and Winston got off to way better starts than Gabbert. You're stuck for years with those guys. They're still stuck with these guys. And that ruins any chance your franchise has of taking the next step. I mean, imagine if the bucks this year, whose defense has been better had Gardner Minshew, if they've yeah. been able to kick Winston to the curb, even if they had last year's Fitzpatrick, this team might be, you know, a playoff contender with just, just, just a guy as quarterback, but they don't have just a guy. They have the most turnover pro, uh, prone quarterback in recent memory. And it's, it's killing them. And Mariota, same thing. The Titans have had a good defense and running game for a while. And now Tannehill is the best they've got. And it's actually an upgrade. Yeah, and it makes you also wonder, Tannehill, you see Schaub throwing for 460 yesterday. Another illustration of a guy that, you know, you know, was expected to be, you know, another team was stuck with him for a long time. And but it does make you, you know, just think about the context, though, of when to draft that franchise quarterback. You know, it was a big controversy for the Browns to pass on Carson Wentz, to pass on uh, Deshaun Watson, both. Good quarterbacks, especially in the case of Watson. I, I'm convinced. I'm more convinced and on Watson than Wentz. Wentz. I think the Wentz, Wentz is the real deal. Also, I, I think I, he I, is I, too. But I, I think you, either of those guys would have been great. And Mayfield. But I'm would little, they have been great with know. the Browns? That's what I want to know. Would the with, at the time that they were drafted? I I really think ordering matters, and that's why like your guy Danny Dimes, like if he was drafted a year earlier on that dumpster fire offensive line. Maybe he would stagnate. He may he might have been beaten his submission and stagnated quite a bit. I, I really do think that that's like the line. The line was okay in the second half last year, and it's been bad at times this year too. I, 
Yeah. I think sure. I think if he was drafted by, you know, McAdoo or something like that, that could have been right. a, a real problem for him, but the Shermer offense is decent. Um, and the line is just mediocre both years, but it's good enough. But yeah, I mean, the thing is you don't want to, it's like, if you look at the Colts getting Quentin Nelson and Darius Leonard last year, that's a plus they lost Andrew luck and they're in first place right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how good that draft class was that, that changed the, the direction of the franchise. So did hiring Frank Reich, but I mean, get a great offensive lineman, get a ridiculous unstoppable Nick Bosa. Look at the Niners this year. It's not just because of Bosa, but I mean, that, that guy is a massive sick. difference maker. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just like, that's way better than getting a quarterback, you know, unless you get Russell Wilson, unless you get Aaron Rodgers, unless you get Pat Mahomes or Watson, then it's better to get the quarterback. But if you're not in that class, you better get Nick Bosa. You better get Quentin Nelson. Those are the difference makers. Yeah. And by the way, you can miss on those guys, those, those positions too. You know, Tony Mandarich going back in the day is like the preeminent offensive line miss example. Yeah. But what happens when you miss Robert gallery is another one. Yeah. What happens when you miss with Robert gallery or Mandarich? So you have like, you you know, obviously you have the opportunity cost of a really high pick, which sucks. But next year, you're not like your team's going to suck next year because you're stuck with Mandarich. First of all, even if you are stuck with him, you know, unless he's Eric flowers, who the giants took in the first round and was a turnstile. If he's just like a mediocre average, you know, B C plus B minus offensive lineman, that's not really affecting your team negatively. The opportunity cost obviously is bad. You, you could have got someone good, but he's not actively hurting your team. He's just a guy. He's just a guy. He's playing offensive line. When your quarterback is Winston or Mariota and you don't replace them for five years, you're done. Your ceiling is capped. You're not going anywhere. You're not making the playoffs. And if you did make the playoffs by some miracle, you're losing in the first round. You're going nowhere. And that's five. That's half a decade is wasted. All your other draft picks, even if they're good, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, those are good picks totally wasted because of Winston and Mariota. So not only do you lose the opportunity cost of getting someone good, you actually drag down the entire franchise for up to half a decade. And that is so much worse than missing on a, on a guard or a, or a defensive lineman. I think so. I think you're right. Especially because you can only play one at a time and you can, you only have two or max three on your roster at a time too. Uh, it's harder to have someone in relief, have someone ready for to back them up too. Uh, I, you know, looking at Kyler Murray, I, I don't think he looked very good against the saints. And I know you weren't that impressed with how he looked against the giants, even though they won the game, they had a three game winning streak. You know, first of all, they, they beat some bad teams, Bengals, the giants, uh, I'm forgetting one of uh, uh, oh, the Falcons in that streak. He looked good against the Falcons. I'll I'll say I'll can, can see that, but I, I saw a lot of like he panicked kind of early and had some bad throws. Got called for grounding on this one play where he didn't even get hit. He he might have gotten close to getting hit, but uh, I don't know. It just uh, to me he got a little happy feet, and I wonder if that's you know because he's trained to do that because the 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 Cardinals don't want him getting hurt. They don't want him getting hit that often, or maybe it's just that this sieve like offensive line is causing him to try to get rid of it quicker too. Yeah. I mean, if you were, I mean, if you could take one QB from this class, who would you take Dan? Well, it's not going to be Haskins. 
No. Uh, you mean the guy that they only trusted to throw five passes an entire half? I mean, how bad was that, by the way? We didn't even really talk about the Thursday night game yet. But, yeah. I mean, he's not ready. But at the same time, how is he going to get ready if he's throwing five passes and a half? But how can you get ready if you're getting destroyed and throwing intercepts? I mean, he just threw a ball like 10 feet over yeah. uh, Sarah McLaurin's head. He was wide open and it was a pick. And thank God that they only let him throw five passes in the half so that the Redskins covered because I was desperate at the time. This was my first cover of the week. I was like, ooh, finally got a Thursday game. I'm not going in 0-1. Mm-hmm. And I was obviously very nervous when, when Haskins showed up at the start of the half. I'm like, uh, uh-oh, this is a problem. They're doing great. And now it's all going to fall apart. I, I, all I know is as a Terry McLaurin owner, I was very unhappy to see that. Oh, terrible. It was like, yeah, okay. That's a waste of a start. I have him like four leagues, but now the Keenum is, is named the starter again. And you have to, I mean, it doesn't do anyone good to be terrible and be embarrassed, but I just Haskins, you know, Pianowski said on Twitter, I agree that he's just got the most deer in the headlights look of any rookie QB I've seen in a long time. Yeah. So I, I think he's in trouble. I mean, it's Murray or, or Jones really. So Who's, I mean, I think I'd take Daniel Jones. I'm biased, obviously, but I think he looks better. He looks, he looks a little bit better. He does look I mean, better right now. There, there's no doubt about it. He, he does look Murray better. Murray has a skill set that, you know, few guys. I mean, Jones looks like sort of the ideal. I mean, this is obviously going to be a company that you, you hope that he's in, but Andrew Luck, Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes. He, he's accurate. He throws, the, you know, he throws the ball all over the place, goes through his progressions, and when he's when the protection breaks down, he can run. He's not Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, but he's mobile like Luck, Rogers, Mahomes. He's that mobile. Obviously, he's never going to be as good as those guys, but he's mobile enough. And I think in this day and age, you really want a mobile QB. You got to be so good as a pocket passer to survive with no mobility. You got to be reading the defense like. You know, Drew Brees, Brady, you got to be really top of your game in, in terms of understanding what's going on. And, and both Brady and Brees have good pocket awareness, even though they don't scramble. Um, that's like the, you know, the, the bar is very high for a non-mobile QB these days. So you want at least that, you know, Daniel Jones, Rogers mobility minimum. And if you have Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, I mean, Lamar Jackson's even in a different category. He's in his own category. Michael Vick and Lamar Jackson are just in a separate category. And then Russell Wilson and, and Kyler Murray and, some of the more mobile, you know, other QBs, Donovan McNabb, you think of a few, Steve Young will be in that category. Right. But then there's the whole separate category for the, just the, you know, Lamar Jackson is not one of the, just the top five scrambling QBs. He's one of the top five running players in the NFL. Right. That's right. Haskins reminds me of Mitch Trubisky and, you know, only a starter for one year. Uh, not ready. Just doesn't look ready. You know, and the Trubisky's bear- better. Trubisky's better. Trubisky can scramble. Trubisky's, yeah. uh, you know, I, I put him, he's even a better scrambler than like, you know, the Rogers Jones luck level. I think Trubisky's a really good scrambler. He's like Russell Wilson level almost. Yeah. I will uh, say this scramb- going back to environments. Um, Haskins is stepping into a terrible environment, oh, horrible. horrible offensive yeah, line, but- one playmaker, wide receiver. Uh, the top two tight ends are concussed top running backs out, although he might be coming back soon. And this is just a really bad situation. Top, situation. top uh, the uh, left tackle is not on the team. Right. Cause this he chooses not tackle. to be. Yes. Right. The, the team's reviled by everybody and the owners hated. They fired the coach. Who's probably the only decent person in the organization. Right. And they yeah, bring in bad. the interim coach who says he wants to bring the offense back to the Mesozoic era. Wants to run yeah. the ball 400 times a game. If he could. Right. But, 
Although Adrian Peterson, by the way, that's what a revenge game looks like. Yeah. Had, uh, ankle sprain in two places. And that guy was running like, uh, what's his name? Charles Jefferson in fast times at Ridgemont high. He was crushing. He was, he was a monster. I, I was actually cool to watch. I was like, wow. Peterson is, is getting out. It was like, almost Steve Smith esque. He didn't score. So that's why you have to kind of draw the line. But Steve yeah. Smith is still the ultimate revenge game guy. Yeah. There's so much yeah, animus, so yeah. much hate and a huge game too. So. Hate is an underrated force in this world. Jeff hate can keep you young. Keeps it, it ages you. And yet it keeps you young. There's people who are still alive at 85 only because they're so enraged. They just dropped dead if they weren't so enraged. That's how I'm going to have some. I'm like 90. The rage is going to keep me alive. You know, it's like a zombie. It's, it's like 28 days later. One of those zombies. I, I kind of believe that. Yeah, I could see that happening. All right. The NFL season That's is in future. full swing at Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. There's a million reasons to enter the free Yahoo Cup on Daily Fantasy, and they're all dollars. That's right. Yahoo Cup is free to enter, and a perfect lineup will, with, will win you a million dollars every week of the football season. It's as easy as entering the contest and picking your players. If you're over 18 and a United States citizen, there's no reason why you shouldn't take your shot. Yahoo Daily Fantasy has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes. Even if you don't score a perfect lineup, you can still walk away from a game with a little cash. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy today. Get started now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Chris Liss. Chris, uh, I wanted to talk about, uh, I brought up the Bears. Uh, let's talk about this game with the Chargers. Uh, a couple things that takeaways. For one, they finally gave uh, David Montgomery the workload that everyone expected him to get from the get-go. Uh he had that one big run, good cumulative yardage, got the touchdown. It looks good. He falls forward when he gets hit. He gets that extra yard every time. The problem is he's getting hit early a lot still, too. I mean, he had that big run, but it was like 26 for 65, I think, for the other you know, the other carries. I mean, it, there, there's a lot of three-yard carries in there. Well, they don't fear the passing game. Right. So they're going to stack the box. The offensive line's not that great. So he's got a couple things going against him. He's also not that fast. He's tough. He's more like Chris Carson. I think that was who Mario Puig compared him to. Mm-hmm. So I think people, I think Mario made a good point. You know, people look at someone like Montgomery or Carson and it's like, yeah, this is football. He's crushing people. He's running them over. He's trucking people. People love that. And they get excited about the guy and the guy's good, but you know, there's other, pl- there's other styles where you actually have less contact and you are more elusive and, can get further after the catch or after contact because you're really fast and quick. So yeah, it's a good style. It's a good back. It's not the ideal situation. Maybe if they feed him more, he can punish the defense more and sort of get, feel the, you know, kind of soften it up a bit, but um, it's just, yeah, it's not, it's not as bad as Joe Mixon's situation, but even someone as good as Mixon is total garbage in a bad situation. So I wouldn't get too excited about, uh, about Montgomery, especially because the Chargers are kind of soft this year too. Yeah, Mario made a great point about Carson, especially vis-a-vis uh, Penny, uh, that it's the optics. You know, Carson looks great when he runs over people. But, A, you know, it doesn't mean he's necessarily more, you know, a more efficient back. But, B, it leads to fumbling. It leads to injuries. You know, it, it's not long. It, it, it's usually harder to last long being that type of running back. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I think of Marion the Barbarian on the Cowboys. He was a beast, man. He just ran people over, and he was nasty. He would look for you – know, he would, like, be running, and the DB would be coming, and he'd be, like, trying to hit the DB. He wouldn't be avoiding him, but he had a very short career. And, uh, you know, the only guy who survived doing that – I mean, Adrian Peterson ran a little bit like that, 
and survived a long time. He's still going, still at it. Marshawn Lynch was a little bit like that. There's a couple guys, but it's not an easy style to sustain. No, it certainly isn't. Uh, going to be interesting to see how the Seahawks uh, approach the Bucks. The Bucks really are pretty good at shutting down the run. Derrick Henry had some good runs in that game. Also got stuffed a lot too. Uh, made for kind of a turgid offense for uh, the Titans. If they don't get those two short drives to start the game, I mean, I don't think they have much of a chance in that one. But Jameis gives those chances, and it wasn't all Jameis too. I mean, there's the offensive line. I mean, he he gets pre- he was pressured a lot in that game. But I, I don't think they can run it 30 times against the Bucks. I don't think that's the way to beat them. Yeah, they're tough to run on. Uh, I, I think Seattle adapts. I mean, they're people crap on them because they're run oriented, but I, I don't like. I don't really think their their uh, scheme was bad last year. People were like Russell Wilson's so good. Mm. Yeah, they were the run heaviest team in the league, or one of them last year. But they made the playoffs last year, and their defense wasn't that good either. So you made the playoffs with a mediocre defense, and Russell Wilson stayed healthy all year. Sure, it's really terrible to run. Maybe they could run a little less, and this year they are running less. Wilson's putting a uh, monster fantasy stats. But so I get you your know, point, and yeah. I think there's some validity to it. Um, my my problem though is like, for instance, the playoff game against the Cowboys. I think they went eight straight uh, drives where they start off, run up the middle, run up the middle, and they get third and long, and then they're forced to pass. And I I, I think that. In and of itself, lots of runs aren't necessarily bad. And I get your and I, I actually do agree with like ball control when you have a bad defense, protect yourself a little bit more, especially if you're effective running the ball. If you can get a couple first downs in there. I think that's a, that's an important part of that too. You actually have to be able to convert a few times. Uh against the Cowboys, they got super predictable. And it was only when they unleashed Wilson late that they even made a comeback in that game. And that's where I think the critiques of Schottenheimer came in. Um, I, I think there's, it wasn't all analytical. It was, it was also just, it was some, it was some, some of it was the results. Some of it was, you know, just, you know, watching them play and seeing how they could have been more. And especially cause I mean, Wilson's so good. Yeah. I mean, he only had 427 attempts in 16 games, which is so it was the lowest in the league last year. This year he's got 250. He's on pace for 500. Yeah which is still below average or average to below average, but it's not, you know, 427. That's right. way down there. It's a better balance. Up, you know, yeah. He's got 17 TDs, one pick this year, eight and a half yards per attempt. He's, he's just been a monster, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to defend all of it. I'm just saying that like, to me, I, I even think you can, it's, you run the ball, you have a quarterback that convert a lot of third downs you beat up the defense, you keep their defense on the field. You keep your defense fresh. Your defense plays better than it should Remember that year. DeMarco Murray went crazy for the Cowboys, right? Their defense went from total garbage to really good. I think it was the first year they got, they drafted those offensive linemen like Tyron Smith Mm -hmm. and it basically saved their defense. It was like, Oh, they're the defense is connected to the offense. They're not two independent units as you might be led to believe like the defense is on the field too long and you see it all the time. You're like, uh Oh, they're holding now they're bending, they're bending and they're going to break pretty soon because they're just getting worn down. So I think it does matter. I think what they should do is not run on first and 10 second and eight second and seven, whatever, if they're good second and six, but throw on first and 10, then run second and five, right? Third to, you know, run. I love like third and six running and then, you know, but intending to go four downs and throwing so on second and, and one for four yards. Yeah. 
Yeah. I hate second and one runs, but on a third and six, I love a run that gets four yards because you know, you're going on fourth. Yeah. Fourth and two is way better than fourth and six. So, you know, if you're, if you're even over your own 40 and it's third and six, a running play is great. You got two, you got two chances to get three yards per carry to get a first down. That's right. But most teams don't you know think that way. Uh, but I, I just think it would be better. Even if you only run, even if you only pass 40% of the time, which is super low by NFL standards, most teams pass more than half. It'd be way better if it was unpredictable. If you just didn't know what down it was coming, not first, second, and that's third and six. And they know you're throwing, you know, imagine uh, shaking it up that way. So yeah, Seattle's not um, splitting the atom and they're probably doing some things that are um, not good given their personnel. But I think, I think the sort of, I don't even call it analytics. Analytics is just using data to make decisions, which everybody's doing even at the most basic level. But the, uh, I don't, I don't know really what to call them, but sort of like just the, my spreadsheet, you know, my formula says this crowd. Um, I think they're oversimplifying some of what's going on in Seattle. I, I think they're, yeah, I think you're right about that. And I think there's some analytics on Twitter that you know, pr- proprietors of analytics on Twitter that are sharper than others. So and it's the use of them and probably many that are sharper than me. Uh, and maybe even you, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I mean the Seahawks, I know Russell Wilson is amazing. Okay. But the Seahawks have been a playoff team like every year, pretty much. And they've lost their entire defense, which they couldn't pay. And Russell Wilson is now getting paid top dollar for a QB. So he's not cheap anymore. And they're still winning. Now, part of that, just because Wilson, even at top dollar is so good. Right. But part of it is because Chris Carson is really good. They got him for nothing. And he's a good running back and they're, and they're run blocking well and they're beating up on teams. And I think they're getting more mileage out of their defense than they should. So it's again, like I, I think people really oversimplify it. I mean, Oh, you, you, you know, okay, let's just pass 70% of the time. See what happens in Seattle. Maybe it would go well. Maybe it wouldn't. Maybe they'd be in a lot of shootouts. Maybe they'd be like one of those teams that, you know, scores a lot of points and loses and gives up a lot of points. Yeah, it could be, could very well be. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. And we've, we've seen like with Atlanta, that's not working for them. You know, they're not, they're not getting the requisite number of points. They throw for 460 and, and, yards and they still get what? 17 points. Well, yeah, they're not efficient. I mean, they don't, you know, Matt Ryan had like 7.5 YPA. Russell Wilson has 8.5. If Russell Wilson threw it that much more, would he be as efficient? I don't know. He 20 points more by efficient the way, than Matt Atlanta. Ryan, yeah. but you know, the, the volume goes up. The efficiency usually goes down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and let, you know, again, that, that was another what it could have should have game. Bryant's missing field goals. They are bringing in two people to compete with them, including young ho, which I'm, I knew you're, you're pretty happy to see that. He's still, I love, getting I love chance. I that guy stays around for a long time. Young ho's always get chances, but, uh, uh you know, it, it's, you, know, you look at that, that they had the Devonta Freeman fumble that was, you know, many people thought was going to get overturned, but didn't, uh, so I don't know. Um, you know, that, that was, that, that was one where I thought that Seattle kind of let their foot off the gas a little too soon. Uh, I thought that that was going to be one of those incredible, uh, backdoor covers kind of like the, uh, Bengals and Rams was almost a backdoor cover. The uh. Cardinals and saints almost was a backdoor cover. Uh, if they convert a, a, a fourth down, you know, then and turn it into a score later, that could have been a backdoor cover because it was fourth quarter and the other team's not going to try to put more points on cover. Yep. Yep. Giants. though. you, you, I want, that's one thing you reminded me of uh, when we were talking about the past interferences uh, and how they're getting challenged less off, less often. 
what happened there on that one uh, PI in the end zone? Like, I kind of turned away for a second. I was like, okay, Giants are going to have first and goal. They just rule it uncatchable, or how? Uh, I don't. I don't know why. I don't know why they picked up the flag. There were like two. There was like there should have been a flag before. Then they threw a flag. I was like, okay, this is the makeup one, and then they just picked it up. And I wasn't really exactly sure what happened. I was like toggling back and forth. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Uh, I think they they scored in the next drive or that. I can't remember, but that game's next on bad. my rewatch list. So I'll, I'll see if I can, you can uh, figure out exactly what that, happened, but. but it was it's just, you know, the thing is, and it's annoying. Cause I'll be like, that's a flag. What are you talking about? You know, he's so early, obviously a flag. And then I'm like, well, why am I rooting for a flag? Like, I don't like flags, but I'm like, well, it's part of the game. Like they call it, they're supposed to call that. I don't know. It's just, it's got, you know, I don't want to go down this road again, but it's, it's frustrating. Yeah, it, it, it absolutely is. Uh, and then, you know, the Colts actually did successfully challenge. They, I mean, it was an obvious pass interference. He, yes, uh, the defender grabbed T.Y. Hilton, like literally held him. Uh, it's like, yeah, okay, that's a foul. You got to gotta call that. Uh, but, you know, it, it was weird um, that, you know, every broadcast was making a point of the ratio of overturns, too, and how they weren't being overturned that much. I almost feel like there's a directive to broadcasters sometimes, not just to the officials like, hey, we're not overturning these anymore. Team, and we're trying to encourage coaches not to challenge them unless it's really egregious. I do feel like the coaches for a few weeks thought it was like this shiny new toy that we had to use. Uh, ooh, we get a challenge pass interference now. Got to do that. Well, no, the crazy one is when it's, you know, not when it's called, but when it's not called and you're looking for it, you know, like, yeah. okay, like, like, okay, any pass play, you may as well throw it and see if you get lucky because there's always contact and mm-hmm. anything can be called. I think the NFL, and this is not good either, is it's basically like a veto of a play. Like, I think they wanted to veto the Saints game and say, wait a second, no, 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 the Saints got that. They're going to win. We're going to veto this. Right. And I think that it's a veto, which is really dangerous because it's kind of like, it's just kind of like in a fantasy league, the commission has a veto over a trade. As soon as you invoke that, oh yeah, you know, it's like every okay, trade now, gets reviewed now. Year. Yeah, you know, and and so then it's like, okay, well, we we don't ever want to use the veto, but it's there just in case. And then it's like, well, I don't. And then the commission is like, well, I don't veto anything because you know I don't want to veto because you know everyone's allowed to trade. And then well, why do you even have the veto if you're never going to use it? Right. So it's sort of like I have it just in case there's something that's just so beyond the pale that I have to fix it. But now they don't want to use this awesome power that they have. I don't know. It's just, it's not, it's just better if they didn't have it. You know, it's just better. They just don't open the door unless you're committed to it and all the unintended consequences that go with it. That's right. That's right. Already knocked out of your survivor pool. Did you end up losing early in the season? Feeling like your success is mostly based on luck. Wish there were some alternative where you could use your actual fancy sports knowledge as opposed to relying on whether a team wins or loses? Well, now there is. World Fantasy Pools brings you the first-of-its-kind game type, stat-based survivor pools. World Fantasy Pools takes the traditional concept of survivor pools that our players players are familiar with and adds in a more exciting twist. Instead of choosing a team to win a game, you will use your knowledge, fantasy knowledge to choose an athlete to achieve a designated stat line. Achieve the stat line and you advance. Fail to and you will be eliminated. Be the last to survive or make it through all rounds to win or split the prize pool. Just choose one athlete each round and achieve a designated stat line to advance and win. It's that simple. Sign up and play today at www.worldfantasypools.com. I'm guessing, uh, and I, I didn't get a chance to see the line, but I'm guessing if you use Christian McCaffrey, you still advance despite the Panthers having a terrible day 
and he just he's almost he's not quite, but he's almost matchup proof, Chris. I mean, I think there's the only the only game that he didn't do anything of note was the first game against the Bucks, but you know, he he's surviving and thriving in some some of the worst games. Yeah, I know he's got, you know, backup QB. He's got uh it's not really a, a great situation. He's just it's really easy to score fantasy points if you're a skilled all-purpose back. Yep. You can catch passes and run between the tackles, and you're carrying a heavy workload, and you're quick. You make people miss, and you know he's not going to break as many tackles as Chris Carson, but he can break tackles. He's he's pretty strong. Uh, he's he's really good, and it's, you know obviously remember when he's a couple guys like that. Remember when he wasn't big enough to handle goal line carries, and so that you know there's a big drag in his value. Yeah, those were good times. Yeah. Well, even last year, and I get into a lot of debates about this on Twitter. You know, I didn't like him, and I was totally wrong. But for the first seven weeks, he had one touchdown, and Cam Newton was getting all the goal line carries, and he was still catching a ton of passes. He broke the record, but he was you know not on pace for barely on pace for 200 carries. Then Cam got hurt. And they said, okay, screw it. We're going to give McCaffrey, the, you know, CJ Anderson, they got rid of him and they gave McCaffrey the goal on carries and he scored like eight rushing, you know, seven rushing touchdowns in the second half or something, six or seven. And then he caught like six receiving touchdowns, which he was going to get anyway. And he got 110 catches and he was, he was just, just behind Saquon in, in uh, PPR points. Although he was ahead of Saquon, if you took out week 17, cause Barkley had a big week 17. Mm-hmm. So he was the best, you know, most valuable fantasy player. Uh, last year and he was going late, you know, late first, even in the second before he started moving up toward the end. But this year is a whole different story. This isn't have anything to do with that this year. He's on pace for 300 plus carries. He's still going to get his hundred catches. He's got all the goal line carries from the beginning. You know, he could have 20 touchdowns. He could have a hundred catches, 20 touchdowns and 300 carries. And that I think maybe LaDainian Tomlinson did that. I'm not even sure. Sort of the 100, the 20, 100, 300 club is, you know, it's pretty exclusive. Yeah, it's pretty insane. Uh, so news out of Carolina is Kyle Allen's going to get at least another start this week. Uh, they're, they're taking their time bringing Cam back. I still think Cam will come back, but, dude, it's week nine already. Um, it's it's kind of getting late. I mean, I think he's hurt still. You know, I think they're going to make sure he's totally healthy, but it's looked like a pretty serious thing, so – Take your time, stay in the hunt. Hopefully, we get 100% Cam. I mean, the NFL is so much better when Breeze, Cam, you know, Rodgers is healthy this year. That's made a huge difference for my enjoyment of the league. Yeah, Mahomes needs to get healthy. That you know, even with a, a gimpy ankle, is not good. I hope hopefully kill two birds with one stone and get healthy. It sucks that Luck retired. It's not good that Ben Roethlisberger is out. I mean, these games are so much better when you have the top QBs playing. Yeah. And Cam is not, you know, he's not been a top real life QB since the, the year he won MVP. But if he's completely healthy and able to make plays with his legs and throw on the move and just be the average pocket passer that he is, um, that gives Carolina a puncher's chance if they play defense. And they have playmakers, you know, three guys that can really, McCaffrey, DJ Moore, and Samuel are all explosive playmakers. I think if Cam is completely healthy, Anything less is no good. But if he's completely healthy and the Panthers can sneak, sneak into a wild card, I mean, they're going to be a dangerous team. Yeah, they would be. Uh, they, they absolutely would be. Uh, but you're right, though, about just all the uh, all, all the quarterbacks going down and how it's run. I was just thinking about that Sunday night game, how 
I mean, it was a good game last night. I was entertained by it, but you know, it could have been so much better. I mean, who doesn't want to see Rogers versus Mahomes? We all do. Uh, you know, you know, it's who doesn't want to see uh, Fitzpatrick versus Big Ben? Oh wait, I can't finish that yeah. one. Uh, yeah, but versus Mason Rudolph, yeah. yeah exactly. uh, here's a, I mean, to me, you know, there's always the guys who have the greatest careers, like Brady and Peyton and Joe Montana, and everyone says, oh, who are the best players ever? Okay, well, those three guys are on everybody's short list. John Elway's, you know, I don't think Elway was as good as some people think, but, um, but if you want, you're like, okay, well, you and I are, are drafting from the all-time pool at their peak. And we're betting, you know, all of our money and we got to win one game. So you just care about the one game, not career stats. I mean, to me, the short list is Steve Young, Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes. Those are the three guys that are just so dangerous. Uh, you know, and that, that, that's sort of like the, to me, like the, you know, not Brady Steve Young is no, Brady had the best career of anybody. Cause he's got six working on the seventh Super Bowl. but come on. If you had one game, you'd really take Brady. Look, look what happened against the Giants when the when the pocket collapsed. He got killed. You got peak Rogers, peak Mahomes, peak Steve Young. Those guys could crush a defense even if even if the uh, protection wasn't great. I don't know. I think Young always had great prote- protection, but uh, you know. But Steve Young was was just ridiculous. Oh, he was. If you just look at he Steve was Young highlights of just no, the running plays alone. Yeah. But anyway, I, those are the three guys I'd take for one game at their peak. Over Brady, man, Peyton. I mean, Peyton and Brady, Breeze. They read the defense so well. The pre-snap stuff. They avoid a lot of problems before they even occur. You don't even see why they don't get rushed, and don't have to. They don't even have to scramble because they've already diagnosed it and dumped it off to the running back before it even happened. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you. I mean, I'll say this: the mobility of those three that you chose is clearly a factor that others don't have, and the arm strength. I mean, you know, the it just. I don't know about you. I think he had a pretty good arm, but Rogers and Mahomes, Mahomes is a cannon. Yeah. Anyway, if I'm picking, you know, a quarterback and, and, you know, we're betting a hundred grand on this game and, and we, you know, we have to make it, you know, you got to pick your one QB. I'm definitely taking one of those freaks. And it, we got to presume a neutral supporting cast with all these players. That's the right. thing. It's, we, it's hard we, to, no, it's hard to draft. kind of pick them up and place them in a different, you know, in right. this scenario well, here, but it it is funny when you say who's the greatest. Well, it's in context, right? I mean, yeah. the greatest under you know with a good offensive line. Maybe Peyton's the greatest with a great offensive line. Maybe Russell Wilson's the greatest with an average offensive line. I mean, it's you know maybe you, Fran Tarkenton was, except that they call they didn't call pass interference like we do now. Or, you well, know, no, but he also. His, I'm just I'm just were, picking a name yeah. from the past. I'm not yeah. making a case for him. But yeah, it was it was Kenny Anderson actually. Kenny Anderson but, uh, was great. I loved Kenny Anderson. Uh, I'm sure you did. No, but I'm just saying if we did a draft, I was thinking like, it'd be cool to do like a 10 man draft of all time team. You know, like you get everybody at their peak, 10, 10 team draft. And you know, who, what would you take first? Like I would take Lawrence Taylor first. I shouldn't tell you in case we well, ever do this. Yeah. Because, because I'd be surprised by you taking LT first. Come on. Come <laughs> on, Chris. Seen that coming. Yeah. No. But oh boy. Am I, I, it might spoil my pick. Russell Wilson. Yeah. You probably still get Russell Wilson. Like with your 10th choice. Like, like if you just waited on QB, you probably still get Russell Wilson. Dan Marino with your 10th choice. If you want or Elway or whatever. Yeah, I mean, exactly. yeah. But I mean, there's no point. There's no point in uh, taking Brady with the first pick. That would just be dumb. You got to take Lawrence Taylor. Or like you know, peak Darrell Revis or someone like you know, you have to take like something that's scarce. Yeah, some uh, elite offensive lineman, center or something like that. Um, who is yeah, who is the best center of all Gronk. time? 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I actually don't know. You know, Mike Webster, but I mean, Mike Webster was like 240, I think. You know, so right. How do you how do you uh, era adjust? Right for guys like that. Exactly. Would Reggie White be as amazing now as he was then? I don't. Well, know. I would definitely have Reggie White on my short list. You know, I'd yeah, for sure. Like you know, Reggie White and LT, Aaron Donald, JJ Watt. Just JJ Watt out for the season, by the way. I don't think you know we talked about it. I don't think it's as big a deal, and it's annoying how much everyone sucks up to JJ Watt. Like he's. You know, but he used to be like what Aaron Donald is now pretty much. And if I were taking an all time defensive team, I wouldn't mind Watt and Aaron Donald as my defensive end. Yeah. yeah. That does hurt the uh, Texans quite a bit though. I mean, e- even if he's not the JJ Watt of your, um, he's of lore, I guess would be a better word. Um, what was I saying? Your, or your, he's basically TJ Watt at this point. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it, that's still a really good player and that hurts them a lot, especially because they traded away Clowney. Um, so yeah, that, that Texans defense car kind of tore them apart. You know, that, that, that was one, you know, the, the Raiders are not a bad team. You, you've been beating the drum on this one all year. You're right about that. Yeah. Cause Gruden's a good coach and people just, the only reason people thought Gruden was a bad coach, there's only one reason is he disrespected analytics during a press conference. He said something about it mm-hmm. that people didn't like. And then they were like, he's an idiot. He's a moron. Gettleman's a moron. But Gettleman did do something very strange today. That yeah, trading. he did. He did. Uh, trading for Leonard Williams. Although I saw the headline is trades for Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl in defensive tackle Leonard Williams. Uh, guy that's having a terrible year, though. It's, it's, it's a really interesting contrast, though. But, hey, maybe a different defensive coordinator, maybe different setup. Maybe he's just having a bad year. All these things could I possibly would, I would like it if he had even one more year on his rookie deal and right. you know, they had him cheap next year and they could figure it out. It's just it's hard to – the only thing I can think of is they get to see him up close. He's not very expensive, so they might not have to sign him to an expensive deal. They could sign him in season, extend him for a good price. Um, or, maybe, you know, they yeah. use that, they, they, they go through the process of franchise tagging and, you know, one year deals are, are never that bad. Right. Yeah. But I, I think the franchise tags are like 15 mil or something. I think it's really expensive. Yeah, for But, a, but it's only one year. So I'm point being is you're not, if he is a difference maker, if he really is that good, he's worthy of the franchise tag. Who cares if it's 15 mil? It's only one year. You'll work around that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess like, but why not just let him be on the Jets, which are a bad team, and probably not play well enough to get franchise anyway, and then just sign him on the open market to a modest deal. Yeah, I, I don't know if they'll. I would. I mean, they have to go crazy for them to franchise him. I think they'd probably be able to get him for like I don't know. I don't really know enough about what a former pedigree defensive lineman who hasn't lived up to it because he was kind of banged up is worth. After his rookie, you know, let alone old guy. the strategy and when you use a franchise tag and when you don't. I mean, I've seen kickers yeah, I, that got, had franchise tags placed on them because they lock in a good kicker at, and it's because it's compared against other kickers. It's worth it. You know, I don't know. Cheap. I mean, yeah. I've yeah. I don't it. know enough about what they would do. It just, it's a curious move. Um, but, uh, you know, Gettleman is, he mocked analytics. They hate him. He did a lot of dumb stuff like signing. Uh, Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams to monster deals in Carolina too. Yeah. And then signing Stewart again last before, or, you know, well, it was for a million bucks, but I don't even know why they bothered, but it was was cheap, but it was, why you, it was mockable player coach. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it was mockable, but the big stuff he's done, which is draft Danny dimes instead of Haskins, who everyone told him to draft, you know, pass on Darnold for Barkley. 
those things look good. And that's what's really going to affect the future of the franchise. Yeah, although the narrative on Darnold's changed in three weeks. It's pretty funny. Uh, before we go any further, uh, your fantasy winnings are going to need a game plan. Put them to work on Stash, and you'll get an extra $5 to start investing. Over 3 million Americans invest, bank, and save with Stash, all on one easy-to-use app. On Stash, you can buy pieces of stocks and funds just $5 at a time. And unlike some other micro-investing apps, you get to build your own portfolio. Your stash also includes access to a smarter, simpler bank account that actually works with your investment account and can help you save and spend smarter. Want to plan for a better financial future? Stash also offers retirement accounts and investing accounts for kids. Stash can even help you teach it can even help teach you how to save and invest confidently with simple guides, articles, challenges, and personalized guidance. Stash is a financial home for all your money needs. And they'll even give you $5 to invest if you join today. Stash, one app, unlimited opportunity. Investment advisory services offered by Stash Investments, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Debit account services provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. We are talking here after week eight. Uh, we, we've been reviewing a lot of some of the games and just some concepts in it as a whole. Uh we haven't mentioned Philly Buffalo much at all, either on the show or today in the in the podcast either, Chris. Uh, weird game because of the wind conditions. A lot of people were getting were downgrading players before the before the start of that game. You know, in the case of like the Philly side of things, I mean, the running attack looked really good. Uh, this was uh, one big run for uh, Miles Sanders had a, a lot to do with that, but this was kind of a little litmus test for the Bills. Uh, they they'd had a pretty soft schedule. They kind of failed the test yesterday. Yeah, they're not that good. I, I like the Eagles this week, and I keep liking the Eagles, and they mostly let me down. But this week, it just seemed like they were going to get the win. The Buffalo is kind of inflated. And it was a bad matchup for Buffalo because they're not really, especially with the wind, because, you know, Philly, Philly, you know, in a game where you can't throw downfield becomes a much better team because that's their weakness is right. covering receivers down the field. So you've got a team that's not a great passing team, and it's windy. So all you do is bludgeon them and you have a good quarterback and a good running game and good front seven. And that, that was enough. And they, you know, they took it over. So, and, and Buffalo is a good pass defense, but again, with the wind, you didn't really need as much of that. And so it, uh, neutralized and I'm sure Buffalo would fare better against a, you know, more of a finesse team, you know, in better right. conditions. Right. Um, and yeah, and so and I wouldn't even completely write off the Bills based on this bad result either. I mean, they're 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 affected by that, uh, and and you know, it, but it, this is something the Eagles desperately needed too. I mean, after two really bad games in a row against the Vikings, and the yeah. Cowboys. I mean, this was kind of you know the Cowboys I, was really bad. The Vikings they were down twenty one three and they twenty four three. They came back twenty four twenty and they, they let it get away from them. But the Cowboys just got their ass kicked. Yeah, and that was a that was a bad loss. Right. You know, what's what's weird this year is and one thing I'm noticing are the schedules are less balanced uh, than I've seen in the past. And what I mean by that is like, you know, the, the, the Raiders have gone on this massive road trip. The Bucks are on a massive road trip now. You know, and the Eagles had three straight road games at Minnesota, at Dallas, at Buffalo. It's just you usually don't see that. You usually see like at at most like two two weeks in a row on the road. And I wonder if like this is purposeful or it just happens to be you know happenstance because of like London games or you know any any other sort of scheduling quirk. But it just seems like to me that uh, there's a lot less balance with these teams. 
Yeah. I mean, you'd think you could like put in the schedule, you know, put in the requirements. Each team plays its own division twice. You play one team, you play one conference once each in your conference, you play the same first, second, third, or fourth place in your conference teams. And you play one uh, team, you know, rotating from the opposite conference each. And then you put the requirements into the computer and you say, okay, make it so no more than two road games in a row. No, uh, Thursday night, previous week team playing a Monday night, previous week right. team, you know, just kind of clean up the inequities and, uh, and hit and push the button. And, and hopefully the system can, the algorithm can sort out something that works, but do they not have the programming chops to do that? I don't know. It's, it sounds like, is, is it, there is no solution that solves those requirements. It'd be kind of an interesting math problem, right? You get like, uh, some guys together. Can you make right. a schedule that, meets those requirements, you know, no Thursday, you know, no London versus, uh, you know, no, no, you know, teams getting buys after London, things like that. And I, yeah. hopefully they could, they can do it, but the Raiders, haven't. I mean, and I get it. The Raiders kind of deserve what's coming to them because they're doing the, uh, hold a community hostage for a new stadium thing. Uh, and they're going to, uh, Vegas next year, but listen to this week two was the last time they were in Oakland. They had. Yeah, two, it's crazy. That's crazy. I mean, they, the London game there was technically a home game. That was week five. Then they had the bye week. Then two more road games at Green Bay at Houston. I mean, yeah, no, no wonder they're kind of struggling the last couple of weeks. They're super road weary. Road weary. Uh, well, they played Green Bay pretty well. That car fumbled to the end zone. And yeah. then Houston was 50 50. I mean, they're, you know, they're tough. They beat the Colts. Yeah. They're, they are not a soft team. Right. The And the Bucks have a similar uh, gap. Their last time in Tampa was week three against the Giants. Uh, they had the London game, where, which was considered a home game, a divisional home game, by the way, too. Thanks a lot. You know, pre, you know that could have been a big deal there against Carolina. But their next time they're at in Tampa is week 10. They, they go, yeah. they travel at, all the way to L.A., to New Orleans, to London, to Tennessee, to Seattle. I mean, it doesn't, it's not, the schedule maker's fault that they're at, at like a point, a polar end of the country, you know, down in Tampa Bay. But still, it, it just, that's a lot of miles. Well, they should also have in the algorithm, like some sort of mileage. Yeah. You know, no more than 10,000 miles a month or something like that, you know, so. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what are you working on for East Coast offense this week? I don't know yet. I might just talk about the idea we had to, uh, do a net points for the wild card teams in real football and talk mm -hmm. about the implications of that and how things would be different. And I'll probably link to my older column about the penalties and say, you know, there's a few things the NFL could do, I think to make it better. You can't prevent injuries. I think that, 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 you know, it's part of the game. Unfortunately, basketball has injuries that suck and ruin the game. I mean, Zion Williamson's out. I mean, Ugh. baseball, Max Scherzer scratched before a world series game. I mean, every sport, the injuries ruin it and there's almost nothing you can do about that. Right. But I think there's things with the penalties and, and then now with like incentivizing, you know, not being cowardly scoring. And so the idea was basically, we talked about it a bit, um, to, uh, just like in fantasy leagues, like you have the eight division winners, but for the wildcard teams in each conference, it would just be the team with the, be the best net point differential rather than, you know, records or, head to head or any of that tiebreaker. It's just best net point differential. So you could be eight and eight and you're not going to win your division, but if you've won your, you know, blowouts 41 to nothing and you've lost a lot of close games, you still get in. And every, every year we're always like, Oh man, that team's really good. But they, they lost some close games on some fluky stuff. 
well, you could still get in on points just like in fantasy when you, you know, lost some close games, but your team's really good. You deserve to be in the playoffs and you're the team that people want to see. And then it would also change things because I mean, obviously point spreads would go up, but it would change things because everybody would be, you know, that punting on fourth and three. I mean, no, you need to score points, right? You get your differential up. I mean, there'd be some cowardly stuff where you don't want the other team to hurt your differential, but you wouldn't just be like, okay, well we're up 17. Let's just, you know, run it and play prevent and we'll win by four, you know, or win by three. As long as we get the win. No, you're going to want to keep scoring. And then for fantasy it would change everything because every, there's no garbage time. And it would also, really make all parts of the game more context neutral. So you have a lot of things where, you know, Blake Bortles will make his living on garbage time or Matt Ryan this year, but nobody's going to be letting them do that. So you always have the full brunt of the defense. You always, you always have um, the offense trying its hardest. And uh, I think we just be a better game. Yeah. I mean, I, I I actually think it would make the teams better too. (laughs) I, I think that they would, learn from this a little bit you know the bucks is the prime example for me this week they're up 23 17 against tennessee fourth and one on the tennessee 42 like late in the third quarter are you do you really think your 23 is going to be enough to win the game really you don't want to just like have this guy that has 192 receiving yards go out for another pass or later in the game you know it's fourth and one again and you you go peyton barber i mean these teams they don't think sometimes i don't know but Maybe I and I'm not even a Bucks fan. That's the thing that drives me crazy. Yes, I am a Mike Evans owner, so I am biased in one respect. Um, and we know we don't want to be biased. Uh, you know, we saw on Twitter today. Can't be biased. Oh, yeah. That guy. <laughs> it's so funny. I I just I was just making a little joke, but then everyone just jumps on him, and I don't really care. But it was funny because he's like, he's biased. He said, I'm not taking his advice. He's biased. I said, don't ever listen again. Yeah. As a, as a good call, don't ever listen again. And that was my advice to him, which he's, you know, says he's not going to take. Right. So I just put him in a little bind because he's not going to take my advice. But my advice is to do what he wants to do, which is not listen. So I was just making a joke. But then everybody uh, savaged him, which he deserved, you know, but it was I just thought it was funny. Like the just so random too, you know, the, the kind of complaints you get sometimes are so random. Oh, I'm biased. Yeah, of course I'm biased. <laughs> yeah, you hate Sam you Darnold in the Jets. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, biased. I, I, of course I'm biased. I'm biased toward Daniel Jones. I'm a Giants fan, you know, but it's like, of course I'm biased. Right. Doesn't mean you're wrong about him, but uh, yeah. And, and maybe, you know, but it's like, okay, so you can assess whether my bias is distorting what I think. Right. You know, Ted Bell is biased in favor of the Patriots. You know, he can't help it. He but loves Julian Edelman. Maybe I'm biased against Julian Edelman. He thinks I'm biased against him. I think he's biased for it. I think you are biased against a class of players with deceptive speed. But um, I, I could I be wrong not. about I that. Not. I will not. I will, I will not. Consistently underrated all. Wes Welker when during his peak. Yeah, just those guys though. I don't. I don't underrate all the deceptively fast players. Okay. All right. I don't have any Cooper Cup. You don't have any Cooper Cup. Hmm. Strange. Weird. I don't know. All right. That's going to tie it up for today. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you to Yahoo Fantasy Sports for sponsoring this podcast and for all of RotoWire's podcasts. we got Jake Letarski and Joe Bartell tomorrow. Thanks again for listening. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.